You here? Yes, I can. Woo! Okay. Uh, hello. He who has an ear, let him hear. (laughs) All right, so today I'm being joined by a very special fellow, uh, Ryan Dawson. Uh, He is a journalist who has been covering Israel, human rights, um, billionaires for 20 years of his life. He's been on various stations such as RT, Press TV, and Al Jazeera. Were you on Al Jazeera? I have been on Al Jazeera. I was even on the, briefly on the Jon Stewart show. <laughs> He's also uh, written one book and I think co-authored another and has re- released multiple films covering um, the crimes of America, Israel, and everything else in between. Did I get everything right there? So two books and co-authored a book and then transcripts of interviews that I did with Doug Valentine are in his book as well as Sean Atwood's book. Which I just learned today. <laughs> <laughs> More you know. So topics gonna, that are going to be discussed are going to be the Israel lobby, the USS Liberty, and if we have time, my favorite, the dancing Israelis. So uh, do you want to <laughs> start us off with the uh, Israel lobby? I mean, either one. I like the dancing Israelis topic the most, but we, we, we're hey, going to we save the best for laughs, buddy. We can talk about APAC. When you say yeah. the Israel lobby, what they mean is all the lobbies, right? United Israel Appeal, do the Jewish Foundations, blah, blah, blah. But APAC is sort of the umbrella lobby of all the other lobbies. And APAC used to be the American Zionist Council. I just switched their names around, but same, same uh, people, same agenda. Totally against U.S. interests. It's the most powerful lobby in the United States. Whatever they ask for, they get. We were saying earlier, we had the second Iraq war based on lies. Even the Pope came out against it, but the Israeli lobby wanted it, and they got it. And uh, I was listening to one of your streams earlier, and um, I think you might have repeated this, that APAC just pretty much runs the American system as we know it today. Donald Trump admitted that. Yeah, I actually listened to that. Israel like owns America, rightfully so, and then the Hamas committee or whatever, uh, they, they, we need Israel to own America again. Yeah, they only, you know, they, they only have 453 members instead of all of them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's literally over for Israel. It's, it's over. There's so many UN resolutions that the entire world supports, and then the U.S. just uses its veto power to say no by itself. They want to condemn the settlements. The thing is, some some have passed. It is internationally illegal to bulldoze down people's homes and ethnically cleanse them and replace them with the self-proclaimed chosen race of God. But they just do it anyway, and there's no consequence. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're breaking the law, so what? Yeah, so what? You know, we have the most powerful lobby. We have the most powerful government on our side. You know, what can you do about it? U.S., we say jump, they say off of what? They don't even say how high. They say off of what? U.S. will suicide itself for Israel. Oh, yeah, of course. And that's another example of both Iraq wars. They lost trillions of dollars, thousands of lives, totally lost credibility around the world, gained nothing. Oil went to China, lost the oil for food program. Oil went to Israel. 
They did everything to Israel's benefit at the detriment of the United States. Mm. Because that's what APEC asked for. Yeah. And then people who speak out about it, like yourself, are censored and Mm -hmm. slandered with so-called experts, um, like through the ADL, uh, Canary Mission, which... Canary uh, Mission, what a joke. They said I was the head of some organization I've never even heard of. (laughs) I'm like, I don't even live in America, dumb. I live in Japan. I'm not headed up some organization in Washington, D.C. Yeah, and actually there was a Haaretz expose, which uh, commentator Nick Fuentes uh, covered uh, extensively. So the uh, San Francisco Jewish Federation, a Zionist organization based in America, um, funds the uh, Helen Diller Family Foundation, which um, accidentally in their tax records had – openly stated that they had $100,000 allotted to be sent to two separate groups, I think both based in Israel, to be sent to Canary Mission. And Canary Mission is a website that um, runs... They just, do hit peeps. they just do hit pieces on people. Yeah, they do hit pieces, like, not even on famous people. Like, they do famous people, like, again, like Nick Fuentes, yourself, I believe. And not famous, famous, though, you know? Yeah. Right, just like figures, but they also do like just Palestinian rights activists, like random students. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I was halfway thinking that even I would be on there just because like one Facebook post of mine was anti-Israel. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking they must have found out. Thankfully, they didn't. But they quoted you know. a bunch of my tweets before my Twitter was deleted, and you read them, you're like, "There's nothing wrong with that." We're not yeah, talking just- about Jews. We're talking about Zionists, which is Jewish supremacists. We're talking about Israel, which is a country. That, yeah. you know, you don't have to be Jewish to live there. You have to be Jewish to live in the West Bank settlement. But, but it's it's just so stupid to associate a nation with race. I mean, yeah. isn't that what you try to get away from? Right. And I think the most annoying part is and because people point to Israel like forming as like good for Christianity because it's the end times. But the yeah. thing about that is I don't think Jesus would be supporting a genocidal state. Um, I don't think Christ would be okay with what Israel is doing to the Palestinians, and Israel as a state doesn't need to exist. Israel I don't think Christ would be okay with the Church of Miracles where he performed the miracle of, of dividing the loaf of bread and fish to the masses to be burned to the ground by fanatic Zionist settlers. Right. Which is what they and, did. Yeah, exactly. So you you, you need I mean, they nation. Set, they're setting fire to churches in Bethlehem. Yeah, it's disgusting. They set fire to churches, mosques, just awful. Oh, of course they they destroy the mosque as well. Well, yeah, because like that's enemy number two, but it needs to be presented as enemy number one. I think they are more concerned with Islam now than Christianity, actually. Yeah, Islam in Palestine actually protects Christian traditions, so I'd rather have Muslims controlling that area than than uh, Zionists. You know, it's hilarious is they had all this propaganda about Aleppo and Syria, like this is the last child of aleppo this is the last zoo of aleppo the last something of aleppo we made a spoof like this is the last chair in aleppo (laughs) aleppo was liberated by the syrian army and the following day they had a huge christmas parade christmas trees christians out there able to celebrate their religion again because they couldn't under isis right and they had a giant christmas tree in aleppo like in the town square and santa claus and all that had an ativius nativity scene with jesus and mary and you couldn't do that under isis you could do it under assad because he is the moderate muslim Mm -hmm. really the alawites are like 
Christian light. I mean, they're Christians that just said, yeah, Muhammad, whatever, because they had to, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, I, I, I really, like, support that. Assad just because he's, like, so great to, like, the Christians in Syria. It's like which... Episcopalians are just Catholic light. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then Alawites are basically Christian. Yeah, so after they had that Christmas celebration, Israel decides, okay, we're going to do a bit of bombing on that Christmas celebration. Yeah, I mean, well, they tried. Israel's been bombing Syria all year and all last year. They're acting as Al-Qaeda's air force. And they're not bombing HTS al-Nusra Front or al-Sham or any of the ISIS al-Qaeda groups. They're bombing Assad forces and Shia militia, which are allied with Assad forces. They're not going after the terrorists. They went around chopping off hands and heads and things. And the most telling thing is every time they use U.S. paid for and built F-15s and F-16s to go blow people up in Syria, not a single time has this been reported on a single network, not Fox, not CNN, nothing. Mm -hmm. Because... As we know, like Rupert Murdoch is a hardcore Zionist. CNN has Zionists in them. So Jeff what do you Zucker's got? a hardcore Zionist. He might, be, he might be worse than Rupert Murdoch. Really? Oh. I, I always, but I always Murdoch's associate. a right-wing Zionist and Zucker's a left-wing Zionist. I always but associated they, like the right with like the Christian right with like hardcore Zionism. But that's actually pretty interesting. Well, they are, but uh, I mean, you're not wrong on that. But left-wing Zionists. The Zuckers um, and Zuckerberg, all your big tech, all your leftist media. I mean, Murdoch's basically alone because all the rest of the major media outlets are run by left-wing Zionists. And mm-hmm. like Trump's faction with Netanyahu and the Kushners and Trump is sort of that right-wing Christian evangel or whatever. The other side's a lot bigger. The side with Epstein and Wexner and, and uh, basically all the media heads are left-wing. So they're would you for, say they're, that they're for open borders and a little bit more, a little bit more than the right wing is? So they want to destroy everybody. George so, Soros is on the left; he's a left wing Zionist. Would you say that the Zionism on the right is the only reason why they're allowed to like be around at all? I mean, they're terrible as well. I'm just saying, but, at least they have some limits. Whereas, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's but, not, it's like, not, it's not pick a team. It's like, oh, would you rather have a poo poo sandwich or just a pile of poo? Well, I guess the one with bread's not as bad. You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're all hard. I'm talking about like, take just take like your average conservative. Do you think they're only allowed to like be able to speak openly is because of their Zionism? Do you think that is the case? I mean, if you got rid of Fox, it would just be totally left wing everything, right? Mm. So Murdoch is sort of a counterbalance, but in a very limited faction, because when it comes to Israel or monetary policy or torture or, you know, picks them, it's, they all they agree on all that. Right. They're all pro-Zionist, all pro-Israel, every single network won't talk about their crime, won't talk about ethnic cleansing, not going to talk about the Fed, not going to talk about any of that. But they do differ on some things like the border and taxes, a little little nitpicky differences. Right. There is yeah. no media representing american people none no. nobody tells them what's in their own interest they don't even they know their own history or their own religion they only tell you what's in apex interests yeah i mean apac 
you know, APAC has a lot of overlap with the military industrial complex, which doesn't, it doesn't really have a, it's not centrally planned. It's a group of profiteers, Lockheed Martin and Boeing and Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, General Dynamics, these giant aerospace companies, mostly and logistic companies, Halliburton, Kellogg, Brown and Brute, that, that kind of Brute, those kind of folks, they make money off of wars, but you make money off of any war. But where are we going to war? The Middle East, Iraq, Libya, Syria. Then we have sanctions on Iran and blockade. And why are we at war in the Middle East? That's because of APAC. Yeah. But they, they got. it's kind of like no one is going to really fight back too hard because they don't care what the war is. The war on terror replaced the Cold War. You're talking about trillions of dollars in expenditures. And Israel's good for business because they, it's composed of fanatic religious lunatics that are very predictably going to have conflicts with all their neighbors. And they do and always have. Yeah. And actually, I wanted to. It's a to... pariah state. I mean, like, they just put a bunch of European Jews in the middle of Palestine, called it Israel, and then they go around and start annexing land and demolishing homes with bulldozers. What'd you think was going to happen? Of course, there's a Hamas. But there wasn't gonna... for 35 years. So, what was your excuse the first 45 years of ethnic cleansing? There, every action has a reaction. But I want to get into what you said um, it's good for business. Uh, the Israel lobby also managed to get U.S. to pass um, the fact that if you're if you're a business and you don't support Israel, guess what? You're not getting uh, government help. So you have well, to support Israel. They tried to do that with hurricane relief. Like you couldn't get hurricane relief aid unless you signed a allegiance to Israel. Like what does signing an allegiance to Israel have to do with getting relief from a natural disaster? Please, I'm I'm trying just I'm just trying to sell bagels. I need relief. Oh well, do you support Israel? Oh, oh. What, what 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 does that matter? The Dickerson Texas rejected that. The, they were, they were like, we're not signing this. Shit. You, I can't get it. I mean, maybe they do support Israel anyway, but you can't make someone sign that. Like it's it's irrelevant to their opinion on Israel and Palestine. Shouldn't have anything to do with whether or not they should be accepted for disaster relief. Right, and so that ultimately failed. Thank God. In that one area, but like they have gotten, they've made it illegal to boycott Israel, or they've told people that, but you really can't do that because it's illegal to do that. You can't make someone buy products from somebody. If I don't want to buy them for any reason, I, I don't have to. Right. But you're not allowed to organize a boycott to Israel without, you know, you get, you get kicked out of university, you could lose your job, you know. Uh, but, since I'm self-employed and already being kicked off all social media, I'm going to go ahead and su support the boycott. But it, it's just like a, a moral thing. Cause I don't really buy anything from Israel anyway. But when it comes to BDS, the boycott, divest, and sanction, I don't agree with sanctions, not even to Israel. Because sanctions always just hurt the poor. And they don't really have a voice. Israel's just going to do what it does. Just like America goes to war or whatever even though a lot of people are opposed to it. Divestment's where it's at. Boycott, too, I, I'm kind of, I support it, yeah, unenthusiastically, because I feel like it's collective punishment. It's just because there might be some business in Israel that it's fine and just selling oranges or whatever and you got nothing political. You don't really need to boycott that, but, you know, it's worth it to me just boycott them all. Like, well, that'll motivate you to change your neighbor's opinions, what have you. But divestment is that's a surgical, right? Get out of these companies that are specifically involved in 
maintaining the apartheid state. Yeah. Right. If you're going to build bulldozers, if you're going to make um, weapons, you know, you're not getting a dime from us. And the basic consumer already doesn't buy anything from Israel, but your university, your church, some organization you belong to probably is invested in these companies. And it's hard to get them away from it because they're like, well, it's a almost a sure deal that these stocks will go up. Because if you're in weapons industry and you start a war, they, they can build. Yeah, I mean, you look at Raytheon's stock, you look at Halliburton's stock during the Iraq war or any of these conflicts right after, right before Libya, every missile is a million dollars for Raytheon if it's a Raytheon missile, right? That's, uh, you know, it's like insider trading in a way, like, well, I'll buy a bunch of weapons from fuel companies and then go start a fight, which creates demand for it and get money and the government's paying for 99% of it. You know, that's why they invest in these things. And it's hard to get them to divest. Even you can give them all the moral reasons in the world, but they think, yeah, but it's got good returns. <laughs> <laughs> Money printer go burr. Yeah. But you know, the Presbyterian Church did divest seven billion dollars out of the Israeli companies. The Methodist Church did the same. That's the only two so far, but that's a pretty big dent. I wish we could get other churches to do it and i wish we could get more universities to do it did, did the baptists like at all like take action or are they like completely committed they are so so nut hugging on israel it's almost impossible to get them off of it ah, well i guess on the exception <laughs> well i mean there are baptists that are against it but the leadership is uh i would argue probably compromised because it doesn't it doesn't really jive with christian values to go ethnically cleanse people yeah um like I'm, i don't look too much into the sbc i just go to church and like i'm just theologically baptist i don't associate with the sbc because like i don't know like anything about them so <clears throat> a southern baptist <clears throat> yeah well you know it is a large group but it's you know even with the other divestments it took like 10 years to get it done yeah. so <laughs> you know it was a hard thing to do and there's a lot of Presbyterians in Scotland, not so many in the U.S. is a pretty small faction, but they did um, decide to do it. And the Methodists are really just sort of that Eastern seaboard. That they're a pretty small sect of Christianity. Actually, there are quite. A, I, there's actually quite a few Methodist churches, at least Com like in my compared area. to the Baptists or something. I'm oh, saying. well, the Baptists are mostly like down south. Like if you go up north, it's pretty more diverse. There's like a mixture of Catholics, Baptists. Um, Methodist, Presbyterians. There's actually a Presbyterian church right by my old high school, although most I never went to Most of the North is Catholic. The Northeast is Catholic. But I would argue most of them are nothing. They just sort of like, oh, my parents are Catholic. I'm a Catholic. They go to church on Easter and Christmas, and they don't really read, study, nothing. They're just sort of entitled-only Christians. <laughs> like, they have the minimal. Yeah. Yes, they believe in John 3.16, maybe, and heaven, hell, God's only son, blah, blah, done. They don't really, they're not really invested in the theology or philosophy. It's just sort of something they heard when they were a kid, never really thought of it. Go, yeah, that's how the universe is made, whatever. You know what I mean? It's sort of not thinking about it every day. They don't pray. They don't really practice the religion. If you ask them, like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. These are my beliefs. I'm like, but do you act on those beliefs? Does that, like, affect your life? No? Okay, then... Uh, you're you're tacitly religious. <laughs> yeah. And that's most people anywhere.
you know, like, come, you come to expect it, especially up north. Um, but I actually, because the pre- back to the Israel topic, the Presbyterians, like, they have, I think they believe that Israel is the church. Like, I'm not trying to misrepresent Presbyterians. If I am, like, please let me know. But I think that's, like, one theological view they have. Uh, I'm not Presbyterian. I can't speak for them. Yeah, like, I, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I don't but, think they believe that, though. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't think they believe the state of Israel is the church. I think just more so the land, because Jesus is going to judge uh, from there, you know, according to the theology. Well, you know, the different interpretations of Judaism is that the, the chosen ones were meant to chosen to spread the word of God, not chosen to be. God's not a real estate agent. Israel is the name given to Jacob after, at the end of the Jacob and Esau story where he lies to all his family members and steals things from everybody. They decided, oh, this this upstanding moral character that cheated on his wife with her sister and cheated his uh, employer out of his cattle or sheep and um, lied to his blind father to steal his older brother's birthright and all this nasty stuff that Jacob does becomes a fine. Then he gets in a wrestling match with an angel or something and hurts his hip. And I'm thinking, if you look at all the signs, the founder that becomes Israel, which is the name of a bloodline, the Israelites, the 12 tribes of Israel, not a piece of dirt, um, literally what it says, he's a demon. Because first you have the twins being born, and he's holding on to the heel of his brother, right? And heel grabbing was a well-known phrase in Hebrew. Favored by the mother, not the father. And they think you mean Isaac? Like, no, no, no. The father, the mother, capital F and M, favored by the mother. And then what human can wrestle an angel? No one, not even for a nanosecond. What could hold one to a stalemate at night? The only thing that can wrestle an angel is another angel or a demon. And considering all he does is deceive and lie, uh, and cheat people through the whole story and then gets that power from the angel he's fighting with. And then he becomes the founder of a bloodline of people meant to multiply over the earth and to do it. And you read through the Torah what they think of all the other people. It's a bloodline of evil. Now, I don't believe that. But that is uh, odd that that people take it to mean a piece of land when it literally says this is Jacob, who's now going to be called Israel, and he's going to be part of the Israelite bloodline, and that all these 12 tribes, you know, Dan and all of that, go through, come from him. And then they make the covenant and blah, blah, blah. And that's supposed to be chosen to spread the word of their God, not uh, to be given a chunk of land. Also, the King David... Uh, story where he supposedly kills a giant with a sling and all this jazz not in any historical records other than religion but uh, it was only a little fiefdom where Haifa is it was not Palestine or Israel uh, that you see on the map today and uh, so they're not even referring to that chunk of land and even if you did you'd have one city that's it not even it's not Jerusalem either it's not where they were I actually do want to address one thing, though. Um, I think the, 
the Israelites were commanded to stay away from the Gentiles due to um, unclean, <clears throat> unclean practices. But if a Gentile wanted to convert, then, you know, you welcome him in. But um, what Jesus did was like, all right, now you are going to spread my word out to the Gentiles. We're no longer like going to be these ethno-nationalists. We're going to spread the yeah. word. Out. Jesus made uh, an an exclusive religion into an inclusive religion through his death being Christ's savior that anyone who believed in that uh could enter heaven and that's what Christians followers of Christ they took it away from this little ethno nationalist group and made it available to everybody Islam's the same thing Islam is inclusive as long as if you believe Muhammad is the prophet there's only one God Muhammad is the prophet and the word of God is through him you can be a Muslim there's no ethnic component to it but in Judaism, it, you have to be part of this bloodline, with the exception of marriage conversions and whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it was not available to all. And Jesus yeah, made exactly. it very clear, that's not what God wants. And that's not what he meant. This is for everybody. This is for all human creation. And this is exactly why uh, Paul wrote Romans, was to basically say to, uh, to Jewish supremacy, no, you, you are not going to heaven just because of your ethnicity. You actually have, you're actually subject to the laws of the Gentiles now. Yeah, to be fair, too, there was always Jewish sects that also rejected the ethno-religious component. They said, no, this is a message. This is not a, literally our bloodline's responsibility is not to kill, convert, and collect, and conquest. But they never really won out. They always kind of were the annoying. But the Pharisees were Zionists. I mean, they're Jewish supremacists. Yeah. Not uncommon for a lot of tribes in that time period thought they were number one and <laughs> should civilize everyone else. Yeah. But and if you if you read uh, the passage on Jesus on marriage, the Pharisees tried to twist God's word, which I found hilarious because they were supposedly like the fundamentalists, like ethno nationalists or whatever. But you know that that was pretty funny. When they're Jesus always was, they were always getting owned. <laughs> yeah, that was so magical. John eight forty four. <laughs> Okay. The, the original uh, table flipper. But anyway, let's get oh, back to APAC. That's enough with the yeah. biblical history stuff. I mean, you know, people ought to know, either know it or don't believe it and don't care. So either way, don't need to go over it. <laughs> <laughs> so APAC. But that, that ideology that APAC has of like God gave us this land and we're returning here from 3,000 years ago, ignoring the fact that Palestinians have also lived on that land continuously without having to leave and come back. They exclusively think this is Jewish land and a Jewish state, and they want them kicked out. Yeah. So they're just uh, – they're basically the Pharisees reborn, if you uh, if you think about it a little bit. Or worse, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I don't think what, – What they do, having their army shooting children in the balls and the knees and the eyes and blinding people and snipers taking trophy shots at kids and – just going into a family and just bulldoze down the house and be like, you're not allowed to live here. You're the wrong race. Or just moving into someone's living room and saying, this is mine now. And all this furniture and everything you bought, that's mine. It's some Jewish guy from Brooklyn or something. Like, I saw that. That was so funny. Well, that's one that was on tape. But that happened all the time. Yeah. I'm just going to take your house. Go somewhere else. God gave me this. No, he, he didn't. didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> UN gave it to you, and then Force gave it to you. America gave it to you. You took it. No one gave you. Shit. You took it from people who built it, lived in it, 
got all the furniture, electric work, everything, and you just stole it from him. I'm gonna enjoy editing this. <laughs> just well, just put, just putting like bleeps and everything. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of these. Oh gosh, they're monsters, man! They're fucking monsters. Like, who does that? Like, God, that's so arrogant. God gave me your living room. No, he didn't. I don't think. Show me that passage. <laughs> Where God gave yeah, you that Mo- living room. Yeah, Moses wrote, and so you shall take the living rooms of, of the dirty Gentiles. Like, I don't think he wrote that. And you, Shlomo Bergstein from Brooklyn, shall move to Palestine and take over this woman's kitchen. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, that's, but so that ha- they, that's what they do. Diaspora coming from the United States and everywhere else and moving to settlements because they're free and just either destroying or overtaking someone's house. The, the, people go out to work or school and come back and there's a wall built around their house, a cage. And guess who has the key? Not them. They're like, sorry, this is my house now. You're homeless. In Brooklyn. Go somewhere else. Yeah. We, Actually, gave, it, we gave it away to some people from Miami or whatever. Actually, fun story. Um, one dude on the um, uh, hall below me is actually born in Egypt, but his family was Palestinian. But they were kicked out of their homes. Uh, so now, so like whenever I'm like yeah. on that hall to see like friends, like Probably that's from Gaza. I I I think he said West Bank. Don't quote me on that. I think he said that. But well, um, Gaza's next. Yeah. So Egypt whenever I'm like down there, Gaza. like we we talk about Israel. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a religion, it's not an ethnic group. It's a country that is engaging in land ex- annexation with all these ethnic and religious excuses. At the end of the day, it is a government that is using its military and money from the United States primarily and also Canada to forcibly annex land for a specific religious ethnic category. Mm-hmm. It would be no different than going into... Mexico and saying this is going to be a white Anglo-Saxon town from now on and part of the United States. Right. Or the reverse. Yeah. Which be like, oh, well, a long, long time ago, part of Texas used to be part of Mexico. So we're just going to come up here, kick you out of your house and take it. Yeah, it's 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 really sick. Like, the, not even just which like, I say, well, like, before that, it was Native Americans. So we're going to yeah. go down there and kick you out and take that. Like, <laughs> you go yeah, and, then the, and then the natives who were kicked out from then, they're going to be t- those natives like, oh, no, we were here. But like, yeah, it's not fuck even you, Choctaw like, yeah, and Comanche. Before the Comanche, the Pueblo were here. Before that, the Zuni were here. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. not even the approach that's disgusting. It's more so just the idea of it itself. Like, even if you're like so nice, like still, like you're kicking them out of their own home just because you have this like sense it's, of racial it's private crazy that's that it's insane but it always goes back to if you don't have an ethnic or religious claim there is no rational claim to kick someone out of their living room and take their house but they're like people who believe what i do or look like me might have lived here many millennia ago okay so what you know our, the romans used to live in england <laughs> you gonna give that so to Italy? like who cares you know, they got pushed out. Yeah. They were the ones that pushed the way in in the first place. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the Italians can simply say to the, the North Africans, Arabs, like, hey, uh, we were we used to live here, so now this is uh, ours. 
Well, the Phoenicians used to have Tunisia and, you know, Egypt used to have more of the Sinai Peninsula and Gaza Strip and Lebanon used to go or the Assyrians you know, had uh, what's now northern Israel and Palestine. And Jordan yeah, so. used to have the, the map changes, but you don't it you don't ethnically cleanse the indigenous population in the current year. Right. That happened. That happened in Australia, Canada, the United States. But we all agree it was wrong to do that. Mm -hmm. We could have just lived together on the same piece of dirt as we do now. But not with Israel and Palestine. They're like, uh -uh. this is ours, not yours. You got to die or go away. Yeah. If you leave, you can't return. No right of return. Something, right. Bobby, and something that uh, the Kennedys supported, right of return. And both of them got shot. In a very... Um, very highly contested manner. What was it? Suicide by two gunshots? <laughs> no, um, well, kind of. JFK was, yeah. <laughs> oh, wasn't suicide, wait. but it was well, assassination. JFK wasn't, yeah, JFK wasn't suicide. <laughs> and either one was suicide. Yeah. Saint Caesar shot RFK from point blank range. That's who killed him. <sighs> Blamed it on a Palestinian too. Sirhan, oh, yeah. Sirhan had a yes, newspaper Sirhan. in his back pocket in case he got shot during the event. It would still show you, look, here's my motive. I'm a crazy Palestinian Christian that hates Israel. Wait, how, uh -huh. wait. What? He had a newspaper in his back pocket condemning Israel for their weapons sale from the United States or something. So, like, if the cops or somebody had gotten Sirhan and killed him, it, his motive was on his person. Like, what kind of killer brings a paper with them on <laughs> their assassination. You know, like, can't be that stupid. They had a crazy notebook where he wrote like, I'm not going to say the word, you know, I can't even say the first letter, K-I-L-L three times, and like, D-D-D. Eh, 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 this is YouTube, so I can't say it, even in the context of quoting a notebook. Alright, well, he was like, kill, 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 die, 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 and stuff like that. Now, the censors will think I'm saying that. I'm not. I am explaining it. But all this crazy shit about Bobby Kennedy. And it was like some clockwork orange Hollywood fantasy of like a split personality type of person where they scribble all over a notebook and write someone's name a thousand times. Like, die, die, die. It was like that Hollywood version of what a crazy person's like. Yeah. We know now that that doesn't exist. <laughs> they, no right. one does that. Yeah. I, I don't but think I've that notebook was written and said it was Sirhan's. The, the mom probably wrote it. I've literally watched like a whole lot of Dateline, like, you know, call me a boomer mom, whatever. But I don't think I've seen a single case where somebody is insane and writes someone's name a million times and writes die next to it. I don't think I've ever seen no, it. No, it's, it's from The Shining where it's like Jack something. He writes the same sentence over and over. That's Hollywood. But that was, you know, a lot of the um, psychology has a lot of fads and a lot of it come from cinema. Where this is what a psycho does, or this is what a, you know, it just isn't the case. Yeah. But that's, that's no. the, in the 60s, that's what they thought, you know, how, how they are. They're just like wild eyed with their tongue out, like totally nuts. Red like, rum. Exactly. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Pure bull. Pure bull. Most psychopaths are just like, you wouldn't even know it. It's like Ted Bundy. They tend to stare at you a little longer than other people. 
That's one of their mm-hmm. tells. But well, even mean, if they I, don't experience empathy, they learn how to fake it by adulthood. I mean, I have ADHD. Look at Nancy like, Pelosi. Oh, true. But yeah, I have ADHD and I tend to stare off, but I'm not a psychopath. So that's looking past somebody. I'm talking about staring at them. And, well, sometimes you tend to like focus on like one thing. Like at least that's my personal experience. A lot but. of people with intention deficit disorders just sort of staring, staring off past. You know how you look past someone. Like you're looking in the distance, even though there's something in the foreground. You know when a psychopath is looking at you. Yeah, well, yeah. Like I'm looking at a tree. I'm not looking at you. You're looking like one inch behind your eyes. Yeah. Well, you yeah, they're just wanna, staring. I mean, a lot of Congress. That's they're full of psychopaths. That's what? how they act. The real psychopath is not scribbling in a notebook. They're going to cocktail parties and laughing about the children they rape. Yeah. It's like, <coughs> the best psychopaths hide it. The best psychopaths aren't the crazies. Well, it's so. like Glenn Maxwell. Oh, she's, in, she's on trial, and she started sketching the sketch artist. <laughs> like, are you going to draw me? I'll draw you. I holds thought that, it up. <laughs> now you got to draw yourself. That. I yeah. saw that. That's how much of a control freak she is. That woman's psychopath. She has not expressed an ounce of regret or remorse or anything. She just, woe is me. It's sexism. It's all Epstein because he's dead. Yeah. It's I you, saw this. you brought the girls to his house. You undressed in front of them. You participated in it. You trafficked them. You groomed them. You betrayed them. You befriended them. He couldn't do it without her. Yeah. Actually, I think you – I forgot where I heard this. I think you might have said this on, like, a podcast or something. There was a story of, like, this young girl who, like, just looked traumatized in, like, some mansion or whatever. And, like, the guy there was like, what's going on? And Swedish. he heard, like – The chef was talking to her. She was shaking like a leaf and starting to talk to him. And as soon as she heard Maxwell and Ava Dubin's voices and walking down the hallway, she just clammed up and got quiet. And they go, we're taking her to the city. She's working tonight. Working? What? Yeah. Being pimped. Wait, how, this girl was like eight or something? No, she was like 14. But they, okay. so what? I mean, yeah. working so, doing what? She's being given to rich donors to, you know, be the plaything for the night. She's 14. What is she working for? You so, know what they did with them. Right. I mean, just all those poor children. It's all done by the people that we elect. Well, this goes back to APAC because a lot of the leverage they have is not just from Israeli pressure groups. It's blackmail. Yeah. And Epstein was involved in that. Yeah, Epstein was completely sponsored by what we call the mega donors. They call themselves the mega group. And it's Michael Steinhardt and Charles and Edgar Bronfman and Les Wexner and these prominent Zionist billionaires that finance this operation and they blackmail and control some of the most powerful people. They got Bill Gates. <clears throat> they tried to target Donald Trump. They got uh, the Dubins. They got a lot of hedge fund managers, a lot of bankers, and, and they had a governor, a senator that we know of at least. They had a prime minister with Tony Blair. They had the president of the united states with bill clinton they had a royal family like prince andrew 
you know, uh, and they get him compromised. Ace Greenberg from Bear Stearns, you know, very powerful people. And, you know, if you could, like, Bill Gates was the richest man in the world at one point. And he could just, he would donate on Epstein's behalf and let him know this is Epstein. Epstein could get him to do whatever he wanted. He's got him on tape. That's why he was such such a relief and laughing when he's like, well, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got caught. Uh, he had too much heat on him. He was expendable. They were not going to allow him to do a plea bargain or tell his story because it would compromise the whole operation. So they had him killed. So, like, who do you like? Who would you think like killed Epstein? Was it like directly in like the government lobby, or was it like billionaires? Tartaglione. I mean, why you don't need to sneak in the jail or all of that? All you gotta do is bribe the guy that already's rooming with him to kill him. He already killed four cops. He's in for life anyway. He doesn't care. Make you the rest of his jail life a bit more comfortable. Strangle the bitch. <laughs> and he can. You, you look at the size comparison. It'd be easy for him. They're like, don't worry. The cameras will be off. The guards are going to go take a nap. Go do your thing. Here's your window. So who bribed him? Was it Gates? Mm-mm. The ones in charge of the whole thing. Who's above Epstein? <laughs> the Israeli intelligence. Mossad? No. Mossad, well, Mossad is one wing of their... That's like their CIA, kind of. No. This is just Israeli intelligence. Ahud Barak used to be the head of the Mossad, and Epstein, he was going to Epstein's mansion to fuck little kids. And he's so stupid. He's like, this is the head of, like, Israelis, you know, um, intelligence agency, the main one. There's more than one, just like the U.S. is more than one. But he would go to New York, and they'd have all the same black SUVs and security detail with their little black windbreaker uh, jackets and stuff. Everybody there knew he was in town. Because of all the bodyguards and stuff he brought with him. That, oh, the Israelis are here. And he would dress up with a big fur hat and coat and stuff and sneak into Epstein's mansion. Like, he was a prime minister, too. But more importantly, he was the head of the Mossad before that. Why would you visit Epstein in person? If you need information that he's collected, you can send someone to go get that. Or he can Where come to you. He can come to you. You're the boss. Why are you going to his house? Because he's participating in it. Of course. That's where all the little girls are. Now, over in Israel, they prosecuted Moshe Katsev, who was the how was the president while Barack was prime minister, convicted him four counts of rape. And he went to prison. Didn't hear that news story. The Israeli president went to jail for rape. But he did. Not a single... American news outlet reported. Can you imagine if the Ayatollah of Iran went to prison for rape? Oh, dude. Not being in the news? We wouldn't no hear the fucking way. It. Yeah, no way that would ever happen. Or if that happened to Putin or something like that, no way. But Israel, president gets convicted of rape. Meh, whatever. They could get on stage and eat a baby, and we would call that baby a human shield. A complete capture of u.s media is yeah. is run by the israelis <laughs> i'm so like that reminds me of like netanyahu like using a looney tunes cartoon to like try to prove iran had nukes and like nobody reported oh remember it. that was six months away how many months has it been 
Oh, I don't even know. Do you know how many times it's been six months away? There's, I think, an article on Mother Jones or something where, like, he said on all these dates, they said it's six months away from building a bomb, right? (laughs) Just like we're ten years away from global warming every year. Like for forty forty years ago, we were ten years away. Right now, this time, I swear we're ten years away. It reminds me of like all the like hardcore Christians, like I don't have a problem with that, but whatever. They would say like. It's end times. It's like, no, it's not. No, you can't predict the end times. Only God knows the end times. Even Jesus doesn't know when end times are. That says a thing or two about, like, us. So, but do you think we've had enough of the Israel lobby? I want to get into more juicy topics. Well, it's just important to understand that apparatus control is a mixture of bribery and blackmail to in the bottleneck positions to ensure that Israel gets its way. And the other wing of that is the mass media. All those three-letter networks are run by Zionists, and they do not allow any stories critical of the Israeli state, ever. And the exceptions are very minute. The American Christians or whoever that are supporting Israel have no idea what Israel's done, that they stole uranium from the United States, that they've attacked uh, American sailors and killed them on U.S. ships. We're getting into next... They attack British sailors on their ships and kill them. They, you know, all the abuse they do to Palestinians, the lies they created about Iraq and Lebanon, it's led to wars there in both places. They don't know about any of it because it's not on TV. Well, it's not gonna be on TV because we have a co- the mass media is completely Zionist occupied. Mm-hmm. Sick man. So one of the covered stories now, the ones that we never hear about, the USS Liberty. So, again, I'm going to let you take it away because you know way more than I do. Well, yeah, I've done interviews just on the Liberty attack before. But essentially, the U.S. had an intelligence ship in the area during the Six-Day War where Israel preemptively attacked their neighbors, blew up the Egyptian Air Force while it was still on the ground. Mind you, Egypt was already in a conflict with Saudi Arabia and Yemen at the time. They're not going to open up a second front with Israel out of the blue. But it was to Israel's advantage while Egypt's hands were tied in Yemen to hit their air force, which they did. And you know, it was a very successful surprise attack in using U.S. weapons. Well, there was an intelligence ship in the area which could have uh, debunked the canard that Israel said, well, well, they were amassing on our border or whatever. Uh, Soviet satellite photos show otherwise and Egyptians say otherwise and we would have had our own intelligence on our own signal intelligence on the cables but our boat was attacked the USS Liberty by unmarked planes from the Israelis for three hours they even torpedoed the lifeboats which is a war crime (laughs) killed uh, 35 people and uh and injured others they did not sink the boat though they strafed it they hit it with torpedoes they did but the the liberty crew with their guts splattered on the wall enough of them got that boat out and you know johnson wanted it to sink on the bottom of the damn ocean of course he was sleeping with matilda krim who was an ergun terrorist with uh who was a mistress of lbj he was with her the night that those six day war started cheating on his wife. She relates to the AIDS research with Dr. Fauci and da, 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 that's a whole other can of worms. She's a 
evil, evil bitch, but I'll just leave that on the side for now. Um, one of the two pilots that attacked the Liberty essentially said, it's got a big American flag. Are you sure these are the orders? This, these are Americans. And they, he's like, yes, they made him do it. They both attacked. The signal intelligence from Cyprus and others proved that the Israelis knew it was an American ship. They attacked it anyway because they already had a green light from Lyndon Johnson, whose aunt, by the way, is a co-founder of the Zionist American Council and part of Operation Magic Carpet that took Jews out of Yemen and sent them to Palestine. So uh, they knew it was an American boat. And their first story was, oh, we thought it was, or at first they tried to say the Egyptians attacked. They didn't. That was fake. Fake news. Then they said, okay, it was us, but we thought it was an Egyptian ship. No, you did not. Had a big American flag. They hailed you. All that you knew damn well. That was an American ship. And one of your pilots admitted it. And they and kept he got trying to say court martialed. He did. And um, he got in trouble later for refusing to bomb people and other uh I believe in Gaza, he wouldn't do it. So they went after him. Do it or else. And the American public was never told, like, okay, so these both happen on Johnson's watch. And it's funny because about the same time, you have the Gulf of Tonkin affair, which did not happen. The Vietnamese did not fire on our ships in the Gulf of Tonkin. And our media said they did. So they don't fire on the boat, get invaded, and lose two million people in the vietnam war israel does fire on our boats and kills americans and they just get billions of dollars in free aid that's detail the two ships do nothing get invaded attack us and we'll give you money that's lbj's legacy again he's the guy that replaces kennedy after they killed kennedy and he gives israel their war gives them their support and the, it seems like the plan was to sink that boat and blame it on the Egyptians. But the crew survived, so that's a bit of a thorn. And they're like, we're being attacked by Israelis. So they'd have, they had an immediate blockout. And when they got home, they were ordered not to talk about the event to anyone. There's a gag order on Liberty Survivors could not tell anybody that Israel attacked them. They didn't want to embarrass an ally. I think I saw that in one of the books that I read in preparation for this. Um, They're I still think, alive, think, some of them. Jim Ennis is, this, is alive. There's, they'll talk to you about the Liberty Affair. Yeah, there's a there's a website, Liberty Survivors or something. And, I mean, they, they call for, like, Congress to be like, hey, this is a problem. But obviously they're not going to do it. They're, Congress will never do anything to Israel. Right. So, like, let's say it was a perfect world. Let's Congress say, won't even help American people. <laughs> oh, of course not. Of course not. But let's just say that Congress was somehow moral, right? Let's say you were in Congress, you you were able to propose, like, what would you like propose? Like, like we always didn't know this wouldn't go through, but what would you propose to to like hold Israel accountable? I would end all aid, Israel. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I'd get rid of that three point nine, four point nine billion dollars a month a year. Get I thought it was three point eight. No, they Trump raised it, and then Biden raised it again. I would get rid of that. Yeah, eleven million dollars a day. Like, stop giving them money, stop giving them weapons, and they will go to the negotiation table tomorrow. 
This whole thing's enabled by the U.S. Empire. We subsidize them. And if we took that money and said, we're going to start giving this to Palestinians instead until you uh, remove all your settlements to the 1967 border, you know, and get rid of your checkpoints and all, and you, you got to get rid of all your settlements. Or we're going to stop giving you money. And if that doesn't work, we're going to start giving them money. Yeah, I imagine the Palestinian things would change just like that. Yeah, and that doesn't even like so. Like, Russia doesn't Russia have a hand in the Palestinian Authority a little bit, or like Syria? The, the PA is what we call the House Arab. That's just a, a rent government that is the steam valve for the Israelis. They do nothing. They police nothing. They allow, the Israelis abuse them in the West Bank and the Palestinian Authority can and does nothing. They have to beg them. They buy electricity and stuff from Israel who can then oh. turn it off or on at a whim. Like the PA is useless. So Gaza elected Hamas because they actually physically resist the occupiers. Predictable. Yeah. And then look at what Israel because does. Because they tried everything else. And then Israel, actually, I saw this, uh, <laughs> I saw this one meme, it was like, Israel explaining, like, how bombing a civilian home gets rid of militants. Anyone who opposes Israel is somehow a militant. Bombing so, a civilian like, home creates more militants, obviously. Yeah, that, that apartment That's the building. Point. Yeah, that, that apartment building over there, yeah, it's just full of militants, i.e. Muslims practicing their religion. Well, it's the same thing the U.S. just uh, did in Afghanistan for so long. I mean, the last attack the U.S. did killed 10 children. Yeah, and the, excuse I me, nine, nine children and one adult, 10 people. They followed the truck around for two hours. It was carrying water bottles, and then they still blew it to kingdom come. Admitted they did it. Admitted they were wrong. And then a few months later, like, you know what? We investigated ourselves, and we didn't find any wrongdoing. Okay, well, who blew up the truck full of children? The CIA yeah. found no link between itself and crack trade. Yeah, yeah. Well, they got busted on a with an airplane full of cocaine I mean, more than once. I could get into the cocaine trade and, and all the drug trades between. Isn't that what CIA means? The Cocaine Import Agency. <laughs> you know, yeah, I could get into that all day, but unfortunately, that's not a topic. I would love to get into that at some point. Well, that was the heroin would relate to the Sackler family, and then you're right back at APAC again. You never <laughs> drift too far. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you always got to, there's always that one. Why are they selling all this cocaine and heroin so they can have an off the books budget to pay terrorists to use as proxy forces in Israel's wars in Syria and Libya? Yeah. All our problems come to this parasite. APAC. The Cold War. How did Russia get its miniaturization for nuclear weapons? Stolen from the U.S. and given to the Soviets in exchange for Jewish immigrants to go to Israel. How did the first and only country with a nuclear bomb in the Middle East get it? Stole the uranium from the United States. Oh, the Apollo affair. Yes, my favorite. Yeah, Numec. And then on and on, man. Who's attacking American ships? Who, who lied about Iraq both times? Right? Who lied about Syria? Yeah, Why do we have sanctions on Iran? Who's the one that erroneously tied a rock to 9-11 through anthrax? You know, them, 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 them. 
We've wasted Every trillions, trillions of dollars fighting wars on Israel's behalf with zero benefit. In fact, a large negative impact on the United States. Every single time, man. It, it always yeah. goes back to APAC. It's like that speech from Captain America. Is anytime somebody wants to end a war before it starts, you know, they make it worse. Every time. Every time. I just like that. Every time. It's always, always our affinity for Israel gets us into all these conflicts with everyone else. Yeah, and just American lives. Even Iran-Contra. Do you know who was aiding them prior to the U.S. getting involved? The Israelis. The Israelis. Who was sending the contraband to Iran during what's called Iran-Contra for the contraband going to the Iran? Israel. I thought Iran-Contra was uh, selling weapons to Iran and using the money to fund the Contras in Nicaragua. Yeah, selling contraband to Iran and using the proceeds. Oh, contraband. That's where that word comes from. That's what that is. And then, like, you know, airplane parts and stuff that they were sanctioned on. The Israelis do that. They take the proceeds, and we were training pilots to bring weapons in and cocaine out. And the narco traffic was the other method of finance to make it even larger, selling cocaine and crack all in the United States to its own citizens. And taking that black market revenue to spend on training pilots and sending guns to Nicaragua. But that whole conflict with the Contras fighting the Sandinistas, that leadership in Nicaragua and his father had been sponsored by the Israelis. And that is because the Nicaraguan dictator helped uh, Israel and his divert program send decommissioned World War II weapons that were meant for Nicaragua ended up in Israeli hands for a kickback. They were using third-party countries to send weapons to Israel so that they could fight the Palestinians in 48. Yeah, some of that all, I just all of every freaking time. There they are. APAC. Mm-hmm. Before that, Haganah and Palmach and the military orders, the Stern Gang, Ergun, all these terrorist groups that blow up hotels and blow up boats and throw grenades in windows, all of the things, nasty things they did in Deir Zor and, and Syria and Dar Yassin and Palestine. And, you know, they're terrorists and they founded a country. And these terrorist groups and the Jewish agency become the sitting government of Israel. That's their first government. And prominent non-Zionist Jews like Albert Einstein wrote letters to the New York Times condemning the actions of the Israeli state and comparing the Israeli prime minister to Mussolini. Complete fascist. Yeah. <clears throat> should read Einstein's letter. And it's signed by a lot of other prominent non-Zionist Jews. And I agree with Albert Einstein, not Menachem Begin or Ben-Gurion. By the way, David Ben-Gurion died December 1st. That's on my calendar. It's the death anniversary of a, a monster. How many rainbow fr- frogs is that? I don't know. One one large one. But I want to talk about the dancing Israelis, but I gotta, I'm out of time. So we're going to have to do that uh, on a right. solo later. Yeah, I really want to talk about that. and so, But, yeah, I really just want to I mean, say I thank- have ad nauseum, but I'll do it yeah. again. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's such a fun topic to talk about. I agree. Well, 